This message is brought to you by The Covenant Nation. Let's take a declaration. One to go. As I said to listen to the word of God today, a door of utterance has been opened unto me, and I hear the voice of God clearly speaking to me. This is the way to go, walk ye in it. I listen under the influence of the Spirit of God, and I'm not distracted by anything or anyone. The Word of God is food to my spirit. I am strengthened by it this morning. It is wine to my heart, creating joy within me. It is oil to my face, causing my life to shine, giving me victory in everything that I do. As my eyes make contact with the scriptures used in this message, the Spirit of God opens new things to me. He also brings to my remembrance things Jesus once showed me. I come to understand God's system on the earth, and I receive instruction, encouragement, action, without God's will. Amen. All right, uh, today I want to bring to a close uh, the series that we started speaking about the love of God, and then taking that into uh, the subject of patience. And uh, let's just quickly look at First Peter chapter 1 and verse 6. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 6. It tells us that in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in a heaviness through manifold temptations. Uh, the first thing I want to say here is about this word he used, heaviness. Uh, somewhere else he used the word sorrow. In Romans 9 and verse 2, he said, I have heaviness, great heaviness, and continual sorrow in my heart. And I want us to understand the spiritual significance of this heaviness. Because if we don't understand the significance of this heaviness, then it may become depression, and then it can lead to other complications, both spiritual and psychological. And every single Christian will and should experience these bouts of heaviness and sorrowing in their heart that in some cases are triggered by the state of your own lives, what is going on, and there is a deep displeasure uh, that is on the inside of you. We've said this, that in the realm of the spirit, you're a spirit being. Now, the body is just the container in which you as a person, you live. Uh, the real essence of your being is spiritual. And every faculty you have 
in the natural exists in the spiritual. In other words, when a person, we say a person dies, it's the spirit that is severed from the body. The spirit goes all right out, and then the body returns to dust. And the essence of that person is retained because in the story of Jesus, where he talked about the rich man and Lazarus, when the rich man got there, he could remember that he had brothers. He could see. He could speak. All those faculties were there. So this physical mold is just like you're molding something on top of something that already exists. So you have eyes in the realm of the spirit. You have an inner ear that is distinct from this outer ear. That's why Paul spoke about the eyes of your understanding being opened or flooded with light. Where you have Jesus saying to him that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Uh, then you can taste in the realm of the Spirit. He says, taste of the Lord and see that he is good. You can smell in the spirit realm. There are tangible things. Talks about the sweet smelling savour unto God. So there's an odour in the realm of the spirit, just as there is in the physical realm. And so you also have feelings in the spirit realm. And heaviness is a feeling, all right, that you've got to understand what the spirit, what your human spirit is saying to you when you are heavy. Now, a misunderstanding of that uh, leads people into having all these bouts and then they're wondering what's going on. It's, it's something that is very significant. In fact, Jesus at one point said, I am sorrowful. And he talked about being heavy. He said, all right, and my heart, we'll look at it later on, is heavy and I'm sorrowful now unto death. He was at the breaking point. And it was an interpretation of what was to come and a major victory that he was going to obtain in his life, and a decisive victory that was wrought on behalf of humanity. And so what he had to deal with in the spirit realm had not yet been dealt with, so there was that heaviness on the inside. We see in John chapter 16, verse 20 to verse 23, Jesus talking about this. I want you to understand when you feel heavy, what really is going on in the spirit realm. Verily, verily, I say unto you, you shall weep and lament, and the world shall rejoice, and you shall be sorrowful. He didn't say you may, you shall be sorrowful in law. Shall is, it will happen as a must, it's a law. But your sorrow shall be turned to joy. And that's the point you have to get. How does that happen? Verse 22, it says, For a woman, when she is in a travail, hath sorrow. Uh, another translation says, labor pain, or labor pangs. In other words, when you are sorrowful, when, when he says somebody is heavily pregnant, that she's heavy, that's what he's talking about when he says, you know, there's heaviness. It means that in the realm of the spirit, 
you are pregnant with something that has to be delivered. So the crisis there that causes a person when people to go, oh, we're depressed and all of that, and they get discouraged, it is the, 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 they should enter into the labor world there to deliver what is within them. Now, look at what Jesus said here. Let's go on here. He now says, because the hour is come, but as soon as she's delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world. Verse 22. And now, therefore, you shall have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice. And that joy, which means what is going to be delivered, no man can take it away from you. It's a good and perfect gift that comes from above. And then he says, next verse, and in that day, that's that day of heaviness, what you ought to do is to pray. He said, you shall ask me nothing. Verily I say unto you, ask, and whatever you shall ask in my name, he says, the Father in my name, he will give it. Now, put all the scriptures up in message translation. I see what he's saying in message translation. Now, then fix this family in your mind. You are going to be in a deep mourning while this godless world throws a party. You'll be sad, very sad, but your sadness will develop into gladness. When a woman gives birth, she has a hard time. There is no getting around it. But when the baby is born, there is joy in its birth. This new life in the world wipes out the memory of pain. So it's new life that God is saying wants to come forth in the world that will wipe out certain things. So when there's heaviness there, there's a new life, God is saying all right, that needs to be birthed. There's a new life. Life as you know it at that particular point in time, all right, is over. A new life must be birthed. It's, uh, it's like you have got to be born again. It's a new life he wants to bring forth. Uh, a new life that can lead to various things. A, a brand new life that can, let's just give an example, a person, all right, births this life, and the person therefore has a new experience. When you meet with this person, you know that this is a brand new life. It could be a job that that person had that caused that person to start living, all right, in a certain country, all right, had to learn a certain language, and all of that. When you get and you meet the person after two years, you know they are living a brand new life. You will know that this, and it comes from situations like this, which is what we call the trial of your faith. What God wants to do is to bring forth a brand new life, a new dimension to your existence that has never happened before. Now, the problem is, the real problem is, we don't understand that. People try to get rid of the heaviness and sorrow with various things, and they don't understand what is going on in the realm of the spirit, and to push that particular thing through. Now, let's just conclude verse 23. What he says in message translation, right? John 16, better. You'll no longer be full of questions. This is what I want you to do. Ask the Father for whatever it is in keeping with the things I've revealed unto you. All right? And it says, ask in my name according to my will, and he will most certainly give it to you, your joy will be like a river 
overflowing in its banks. In other words, when it says your sorrow shall be turned to joy, that joy is the result of your prayer. It's joy that comes out that is overflowing. You are overwhelmed. There's joy unspeakable there, full of glory. So understand this. There is something major at stake. There is something God wants to bring forth, all right, into your life. Every such season where there is a test shall lead to the birth of something new that is life-changing, all right, and life-transforming. First Peter 1 and verse 13, it tells us the outcome. Quickly just give me the Passion Translation because of time. So then prepare your hearts and mind. Okay? So then prepare your hearts and mind for action. In other words, you're going through a test. It says prepare your hearts and mind for action. Stay alert and fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. For when Jesus is unveiled, that's why he said, in that situation, a greater measure of grace will be released to you. So he says, so then prepare your hearts and minds for action. So when there's a test, said, go and get ready for action. Grace is going to be released that you are going to go into a new set of activities in your life. Are you following what I'm saying there? And you must be in that posture. You can't be in a posture of defeat. You must be in a posture of expectation. A woman who is pregnant is expected. What do you call her? Unexpected? That's not what you call her. So you are in a position to understand that I'm expecting something. So when somebody asks you, how is life? You should say, I'm expecting a breakthrough. Do you get what I'm saying here? You are going through something. I'm expecting a new unveiling of Christ. I'm expecting, all right? Now, the issue is, let me tell you why people fail. They don't deliver what is in them. They don't give birth to what God has placed on the inside. They complain the moment they say we are heavy. They don't do what they're supposed to do. And I quickly want to show what you're supposed to do here. Five things here. So there is a perfect gift of grace. That's why Jesus, for the joy that was before him, went to that cross. So you must understand, never lose sight of it. Never, ever lose sight of your hope. For where there is no vision, the people perish or run wild. All right? Whosoever has this hope in himself always purifies. You know a person of vision by the way they are behaving today. So once people have lost sight of the future, they live anyhow. If you see a person who is living anyhow recklessly, it's because they have no thing for the future. If you have a vision for the future, it regulates how you conduct your affairs right now within your life. That's something you just won't do because you know, all right, what the future holds for you. So you must never, this first point, all right, you are rejoicing in the expectation of something. It says not only that, hold fast to your confidence and rejoicing of hope firm unto the end. Stuff may have happened, you get heavy, God says, just hold fast. Rejoicing, because there is something I want to bring out a new life. Completely, all right, new life that I have brought forth. 
You are now sitting, meeting with people, interacting with people once you used just to read about, and it's because of a new life, all right, that has come forth, all right? I mean, and, and they, let, let me say this here, technology has made things like this happen faster. That's the truth. Because of technology here, you can, you, you can, you can put your, you can just sing on Instagram and your life can be totally changed in six months. I hope you know that. You know, you know what I'm saying. So things are much easier to happen now, okay? And God has allowed technology so that because as, the, as we enter into the final days, there are more contractions. And once there are more contractions, all right, the frequency of change begins to increase. So new life is coming out. That's why anybody, anybody that was on the cutting edge, I'm saying this to you, and no longer is on the cutting edge, what happened was the birth of that new cutting edge, crisis came. They didn't do what they did to birth a new thing. You, you just begin to assume that you get into a place of entitlement, you get into a place all right, where you feel that you know, things cannot go wrong again for you in your life because, and all of that, and that's what cuts people short. So, you do, all right, put yourself in that position to give birth. Uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 37 to verse 35. Jesus spoke about this, and you see what he did. He entered straight into the place of prayer. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And the reason was that something was coming. This was the cross. This was, I mean, today we say this, what is today's date? We'll say this, 2023. Why do we say 2023? Because we're saying it's 2023 years after the death of Christ. So this particular event marked time forever which means this event split time into two, is either before Christ or after the death of Christ. And so when he was heavy and sorrowful, put it up here, nigh unto death, which means his heart was almost breaking. It's because of the magnitude of what is to come. All right? Quick, all right? So he says, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry with me and watch with me. And he went a little further, fell, his, fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but let thy will be done. And then cometh his disciples and, and findeth them asleep. So he came to disciples, they were asleep. And this is what happens most of the time. Instead of people pushing through in prayer, they sleep. Let me repeat. Instead of people pushing through in prayer, they sleep. They go to sleep. All right? So he got them. Put, all right, and said unto Peter, "What could you not watch with me an hour? If you just stayed and prayed this thing through for an hour, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. For the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Watch and pray, enter into temptation means that in this time of pressure, you will make decisions that Satan wants you to make." Because you won't have the strength to walk the way God wants you to walk. He says, when a man is tempted, he's drawn away of his own lust. Which means Satan will draw you away and, and make you, all right, go into things. Peter spoke about that in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It speaks about the fact that, 1 Peter 5, 8, he said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary as a devil, a roaring lion, is walking about seeking whom he may devour. In other words, he wants to devour people. He wants them to make wrong moves. He wants to take away, all right, that which God wants to do. He wants to devour them. And so, 
Jesus went back in Matthew 26. He went the first time, prayed for an hour, came back. Well, let's look at verse 39. He hadn't gotten his breakthrough. And then he went a little further, fell on his face. If it be possible, let this, not uh, that will be done. Verse 40. And the scripture says that, and he cometh through his disciples, found them asleep, and said, Could you not tarry me one hour? Then verse 41. Watch and pray that you enter not temptation. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Verse 42. And then he went again. And the second time, and he prayed, Oh, my father, if, it's, if, if this cup may, may, may not pass away from me, except I drink it, let thy will be done. Then verse 43. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Then verse 44, and he left them and went again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. And then verse 45, and coming to his disciples and said, sleep on now. You can take your rest. Behold, they are wise at hand. The Son of Man, in other words, he had prayed that particular thing through. Another account says, an angel of the Lord came and strengthened him in the place of prayer. And he pushed through in that place of prayer. And, you know, he had broken through and now events began. So when the pressure starts, this form of prayer has to be done. And it's you being alone with God or even going up with people to offer this kind of prayer. Or you even ask people to help you like Jesus did. Paul said, I know this shall turn to my salvation through your prayers and the supply. That I know this will turn from sorrow to joy. That's what it means by I know it will turn to my salvation. In other words, he called for help and asked the church, look, there's a moment where something has to come out. He said the same thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He said, you also praying for us, all right, for this unspeakable gift that will be given to us. He said this here. Um, 2 Corinthians 1, um, let's read verse 8 to 11. We don't want you in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us in Asia province. It was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we'd been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength or our wits to get us out, we were forced to trust in God totally. Not a bad idea since he's God who raises the dead. And he did it. Rescued us from certain doom. And he will do it again, rescuing us as many times as we need rescue. Then he said this, you and your prayers are part of the rescue operation. All right? The rescue operation that happened. So he talked about that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, he said, I will not want you to be ignorant how many were overthrown in the wilderness. So what happened was he said they were overthrown. In other words, they didn't push through in prayer, so they got overthrown. Now, these guys ate the spiritual meat, drank the spiritual drink, but with many of them, God was not pleased. They were overthrown in the wilderness. So what God wants is, role number one during this time, position yourself in the place of prayer. Know that God wants to birth a new life into your own life there. He wants to bring forth something that has never existed before. Grace, he wants to bestow it all right upon you. There is an unspeakable gift he wants to bring forth in your life. So position yourself in the place of prayer. 
and begin, all right, to pray out what is within. And understand that, look, what God wants to do is a new form of life. You also are going to be pleasantly surprised by the grace when it's released into your life. Just like Joseph was raised up and became prime minister and he had a brand new life, it was so new that his brothers did not recognize him when they saw him. They couldn't imagine that he would ever be in that kind of a position, right? So he wants to bring that kind of thing out of your life. Always have that uh, right before you. Micah chapter 4, verse 9, talking about taking time to pray this out. Now, why dost thou cry out aloud? Is there no king in thee? Is there no counselor? Is thy counselor perished? For pangs have taken thee as a woman in travail. Verse 10, be in pain, labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in travail, labor to bring forth. For now shalt thou go forth out of the city, and thou shalt dwell in the field. And thou shalt go even to Babylon, and thou shalt be delivered. There the Lord shall redeem thee from the hands of thine enemies. Verse 11, now also many nations are gathered against thee that say, let her be defiled, and let our eye look upon Zion, which means they're looking at you as a countenance on you, as a sheep for slaughter. Look at what it says there. People think that you'll make it through, but they know not the thoughts of the Lord, neither understand his counsel, which means what God has on his mind for you. For he shall gather them as sheaves into the floor. And then he speaks, Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, make thee, all right, thy horn iron, and I will make thy hoofs brass, and thou shalt beat in pieces. It talks about these many people. So you're going to come out with victory, but it says position yourself there. Don't let that moment go. Understand, if you don't give birth to that thing, if you don't, then you are going to go into the next phase of life without what God wants to do. That's why he says that you knew not the time of visitation. He says now the enemy has built a trench round about thee. Don't let, it's a season of response. All right? It's, it's something that you can't, you can't, if you feel it on the inside, take time out and pray that particular thing through. Uh, you may have to take out days. Let's just say maybe a Saturday or a Sunday or you finish church and say, look, I just need about four hours alone to pray this particular thing out. Or it's Saturday morning, I just have to go somewhere and push through, all right, on this particular thing on the inside of me. Look, I had a friend when we were in school, University of Lagos, who are going through major crisis. I'm saying this here, and you can quote me. We were walking one that was very close to him, was a leader. He says, we are going through a crisis. He said, if only I had three hours to pray, three hours to pray, three hours. He never got the three hours to pray. He, the pressure was so much, he left Nigeria. If I tell you, if I tell you to count five ministries in this country, five, you will count this ministry. When the leader came to Lagos, he told his worship leader, who is a family friend, told him, he said, the only reason why I came to Lagos to start this church was so, so, and so. The work he was supposed to do, he didn't do it, he left. God told me as he left, go back to Lagos and do that work. So there's something that you are supposed to birth that if you don't, all right, stay there and give birth, all right, to that particular thing that you miss out. So it's not something you play with, don't joke with it. That's your future, that's your life. 
you have got to give birth to it. And to do that successfully, stay in the place of praise because that's a place of expectation. That's praising God for that hope, holding fast your confidence and rejoicing. Yes, the heaviness, that heaviness doesn't mean that, you know, you, know, you, you, you are losing. No, the heaviness there means you are carrying something there. So stay in the place of praise. Acknowledge that there is a future that God is bringing into your life. And you are praising him for that future. You are thanking him, all right, about that future. And you are rejoicing in that particular thing there. All right, that's the second thing. So be in prayer. Don't be in prayer without expectation. They're just praying and saying, well, God, you do something. No. There's has to be a sense of expectancy. It means you are pushing out something. You are rejoicing, you are praising God. A future is coming. A life is coming. A brand new form of life is coming. Brand new future is coming. All right. Massive things are going to happen in my life. Father, I'm thanking you and I'm praising you for this. It's going to be exciting times. I'm going to enter into things that I've never entered before. That's what you are saying now out of your lips. Not talking again about the crisis. Not talking about the situation. But talking and speaking out. All right. You folks, you can come back in six months, you'll see what is going on in my life. Remarkable things have, have expanded. I won't be recognizable to you people. And you are saying all of those things, which means you are speaking out. Now, you don't know what it is. And you don't have to know what it is. If a woman is pregnant and says, is, is the child going to be dark-skinned, light-skinned? Doesn't know. How tall will the child be? Don't know. Uh, well, even if they don't tell you, if you say, boy, girl, you don't know. That doesn't mean you don't, you're not pregnant. Do you get what I'm saying here? When a child is born, we'll know all of that. Uh, you follow what I'm saying here? So whatever God has put in me, when he's born, we'll know, all right, what, what is on the inside. So you don't have to define it to yourself mentally, but just push, all right, it through. So the second thing is we're praising God for the new life that is coming, powerful things that he's going to do. Number three, keep your eyes. That's why he says there, Peter said, Desire the sincere milk of the word you may grow thereby. Always keep your eyes on the scriptures during this period, all right? Because you will need, all right, start receiving uh, ministration strength from the word of God there. Keep your eyes on the scripture. Read the word of God. Keep your eyes on the scriptures there constantly. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and 18 it says that our light affliction, which is for a moment, all right, from 17, will work for us and a far more uh, eternal weight of exceeding eternal weight of glory. How is it going to happen? While we look not at the things, verse 18, which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal. The things that are not seen are eternal. So let your eyes be opened up and keep it on things that are not seen. So you can see that. And then finally, all right, 1 Peter 3, 8. Give me the passion translation and even tells us this is the final thing. And thing that you must get right during this time. Praising God, keeping your eyes on the scripture, praying and pushing through. All right, taking time to pray and to push through and to stay there and push and push. Jesus knew when he had pushed through. All right, you will know when you have prayed that particular thing through, when that burden has been lifted in your heart, when that heaviness has gone, when there is a release that has come. But you have to give yourself that crunch time to push through, all right, that. That's where your future is. 
If you don't do it, anybody can lay hands on you. It won't change things on the outside. You can go for anything. It won't change things. You can do this, do serve God, uh, join this, shout, do all of that. It you have to do that work of pushing, all right, that particular thing through. And if you get people to help you, it gets easier on you in getting it out. Finally, in First Peter 3, verse 8. Now, this is the goal. And Peter said, he said, this is the goal. To live in harmony one with another and demonstrate affectionate love. So during that time, live in harmony with people, demonstrate affectionate love. We've spoken about this. Sympathy, all right? Concern for other people. Kindness towards other believers. Uh, please put it up here. All right, kindness towards other believers, okay? Don't get harsh, don't get rough, don't get angry, all right? Don't start saying cruel things because I oh, don't know what I'm going through and, and get, you know, angry and you don't, don't, don't sleep into that. That's the adversary seeking whom a midday devour is tempting and trying to pull you into that thing. It says, look at the issues of love. Kindness towards other believers. Let humility describe who you are as you dearly love one another. In other words, let humility describe who you are as you dearly love one another there. Verse 9, and then it goes on. Never retaliate. Don't do it. That's why James said, understand that the judge stands at the door. Hold no grudge against lest you be condemned. Never retaliate when someone treats you wrongly. Nor insult those that insult you. You see, because people are on an edge during that time. And they can insult and say, well, like you said, don't do that. That's why I said, this, this is what destroys. These are the things that, and people come and say, ah, but I tried. I did all of this. But you see, people have gone nasty. It's just little instructions. It's a little fox has spoiled the vine. Little instructions. People have gone, and nobody will know that. That person is being nasty in what they are doing, retaliatory and all of that. Now look at what it says here. It says, but instead respond by speaking a blessing over them. It says, because a blessing is what God has promised to give you. In other words, what God is saying that that thing that is going to come through your prayer that he has promised you. He said the way in which it comes is that when people provoke you during that time, speak over them what you want to receive. Uh, that's, they said something wrong to you, to annoy you, to irritate you, to get you angry. He says, speak a blessing there because it's a blessing that you want to inherit. Now, he's trying to tell you what blocks prayer. Look at the next thing it now says. He says this, next verse. For the scripture tells us whoever wants to embrace true life and find beauty each day. Please, put this particular scripture in King James. It says, whosoever, all right, will see good and love life. In King James, just as 1 Peter 3. He that will love life and see good days. So that's what we're talking about. The good days that you want to see there. Let him refrain his tongue from evil. Leave it. Leave the scripture. All right, evil. And his lips that they speak no guile. Now put it back to the, the, the other translation here. We'll close that. For the scripture tells whoever embraced true life and find beauty each day. It says, must stop speaking evil, hurtful words, and never deceive in what they say. Always turn from what is wrong. 
and cultivate what is good, eagerly pursuing peace in every relationship, which means you don't want to be the one who is the fighter and the one who is causing strife in a relationship. All right, pursuing peace in it. Put the scripture back, all right? Making it your prize. Now, the reason is this, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord, Yahweh, rest upon the godly. His heart responds to their prayers. You see, all of that prayer you are saying, he said you can block it by speaking hurtful words to people. Retaliatory form of behavior. He doesn't want all of that. Vindictive, all right? That's what stops people. And that's why I tell a lot of people, sometimes we say, ah, we've been interceding and we are intercessors. And you say that they don't have joy. They are very critical, vindictive. That's what blocks the prayers from getting answered. And then he closes by saying this. He says, the heart responds, and he turns his back on those that practice evil. That practice of evil is that particular thing that he just describes there. So, have these things. The main one he tells you there is that he says, this is the goal that you practice these things. And practice there, walking in love, all right, towards, can you imagine Jesus going to the cross and got so provoked that he slapped everybody, all right, just like slap. That won't be saved today. Just one mistake there. Won't be saved. And that's why he told Peter, he said, Peter, watch and pray. Peter said, look, don't worry. He told Jesus two things. You could see that the enemy devoured. He told him, he said, Satan has asked that he might be sifted as wheat. I have prayed for it. I have faith by no faith. Ah, Peter said, listen to me, I can never. I said, you you will see what is going to happen. Because you, don't, you didn't pray this thing through, the lines won't fall onto you in pleasant places. Because you didn't pray this thing through, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. You will see that when you didn't pray through there, that it was impossible for me to order your steps aright, that you could not have the strength that you needed to make the right decisions. But he told him, he said, when you are converted, strengthen the brethren. Tell them about this. That's why the next time Peter or John heard anything that they threatened them, they went back to their own company. They reported what was said. They understood that it is a moment there of breakthrough. They all came up together and prayed, and they entered into a new life. The new life where the shadow of Peter was healing the sick. A new life, something we didn't even see in the ministry of Jesus that the shadow, he entered into that thing that Jesus said, greater works than this shall I do. All right, shall you do? Because I go up to the Father. His shadow began to heal. It was the first time. They entered into a new dimension. And so there's a new dimension that God wants to bring you. And I sense people, all right, are carrying this thing, heaviness. You call it, ah, I'm feeling depressed. You call it, all right. It's not a time to, you know, to say, well, let them just, uh, you know, well, you can talk about it, but you must understand you have to pray this thing out. It's not something that is just psychological. This is a spiritual thing that there's heaviness there, and you want to spend time there praying that thing there continuously until. If, if you devote time to it, if you, if you tell yourself, I'm going to pray this thing, all right, an hour, all right, a day, even if you just do that, You'll find after one week, the thing has almost lifted completely. You'll begin to see signs of God beginning to move within your environment to change things. So be expectant. There's nothing that happens, all right, on the outside. I mean, I told this at workers' meeting. A gentleman told me a story about 
about somebody that had problem. Well, he was telling me this had a problem and he almost killed himself. He, he's, well, a friend met him while he had the liquid and he was crying. Well, to cut long story short, he, the friend called his wife, told his wife, look, your husband's in this condition. So the wife called somebody to come to speak to him. And he said when the chap got to meet him, the chap didn't tell him he had anything. Just told him a story about a guy who was depressed. Uh, the condition in his life was really bad. And what had happened was that he bought, um, what they called him, sniper, took the sniper. Well, they got to him before, so they rushed him to the hospital, they were battling. While they were battling, all the things that brought the depression had been reversed. He got a powerful job, they gave him a car, they gave him a house, but he didn't get, he didn't overcome the sniper, he died. But it was there when they said, all what you thought God hadn't done, God had actually done everything. See, when you face any difficult situation that creates heaviness, it is for, just remember this, it is for the unveiling of the grace of God in a new dimension. It is that a new form of life that you didn't know existed will come to you. Is that doors are going to start getting opened up. Is that your talents that you have been struggling with, all right, somebody in authority is going to see it and call for you and in, a, in three months, your life dramatically changes. That you are pinching yourself. That's what it's about. But you have got to push through because the reason why God allows it to be a test and says you will push through is that he knows that when you have that level of visibility and that level of income, you will also have access to people that sell drugs. You will have access to people that do all these kind of things. And he knows that, listen, if character is not developed in you, you will find out that the end of that person is worse than the beginning. It was better for that person to be struggling than for that person to be a drug addict and they're pumping life. So he says, look, let us take you through a test. That is all. So that in that test, I can develop in you the capacity to handle the test that will come. These are not even tests now. These are tests of being blessed. Tests of having disposable income. Tests, all right, of having the influence, all right, to get things done. Tests of, of, of sitting down and, and doing things. There, look, there are tests I face that I don't even tell people about even in terms of people wanting to make offers to you that they will tell them, they will tell them, they say they told us. And when they say, they say it's code word, they say your pastor cannot be penetrated. That code word of penetrated is monio. It's not, it's money. When, when someone came and said, we heard your pastor can't be penetrated, it's money. You, you understand? You can't know people who have influence and power and if they think that they can use you for something. And what they are putting on, is not what you are thinking. It's what you've never seen before. Do you get what I'm saying here? You have to have the character there, all right, to be able to develop. I, mean, I told them workers meeting. Last I went to preach somewhere. I mean, I'm under instruction. My, my priority is the church. Listen to me, we did ministers' conference. This whole place was filled with ministers. I told them, I said, listen, my priority, I told midweek service in Yaba. I said, no, don't cancel it all. After I finish ministers' conference, finish, I'm coming to Yaba to speak to people. There were a fraction of that. I said, that is my priority, not the ministers' conference. And I told the ministers in the place that, look, that is your priority. 
All right? This was said, the, the priority is the church. I'm coming there for the meeting. See, I thought last year, I went to preach in a place. The honorarium they gave me last year, on a Sunday morning, was, was over 10 million. I said, you can do calculation. And say, look, if I do this for 10 weeks, just miss 10 Sundays. Maybe they don't see me sometimes. They won't know where I am. I'll just do this. That's 100 million. You know you are disobeying God. Do you get what I'm saying here? That's what it means, Balaam, the, the prophet. You know you are in disobedience. But because of, of gain, filthy local, you make the decision. But what you are doing looks religious. Looks, you will see your face on posters. Ah, I, I hear your pastor is going to this way. Ah, then your pastor has broken through. You don't know his breakdown. After two years, do you get what I'm saying here? After two years, nobody will call you. And when they say they don't call you, they won't call you forever again. Then you will turn to your own house and your house will be empty. Then you understand the scripture that your labor was now in the house of what? Strangers. He said how you hated instruction. That's what is called temptation. Do you get what I'm saying here? That's what's called temptation. All right? And that's why God says, I need to take you through things. That's all he's saying. It's, the thing is not to destroy you. It's to refine you, to put you in a position where you have the capacity to be able to handle what is coming. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice, carrying mighty things within their inner man, things that no man's eyes have seen, ears heard. And in your own faithfulness, in your sovereignty, You've put us all in positions where we feel that heaviness on the inside of us. The birth pangs there to deliver the destiny you've placed within. We ask today for grace, inner strength to push through in the place of prayer. Grace and wisdom to walk in love towards every single person, rejoicing in this great hope and future that you have designed for us. I speak into the life of every single person under the sound of my voice. Not one of you shall be lost to any crisis situation. You will not go out of cause or go out of the way. Your lame foot shall be healed and you will enter into that firstborn inheritance on the earth. Your destiny, your hands shall handle it and you will walk into the fulfillment. You will not make the error that Esau made, who for his birthright in a time of pressure said, give me this plate here of pottage and I will give you my birthright because I am tired. Weakness will not cause you to make the wrong decision and trade off that which God has for you. You are sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It will go well with you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.